0: verse that I want to go over. This will be the last verse. Um, This verse is, I think, the most popular verse of all Christendom, John 3.16. And the specific reason I want to go over this verse is because this verse, I think, is a big conflict for people that believe in free will versus people that um, have Calvinist beliefs. And the reason I want to go over this is because A lot of these verses, I think, can be stumbling blocks for people that believe in free will because they'll look at the entirety of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and go, okay, I see this general idea that God is in control. God is sovereign and that God is working out his will and plan despite our wills and plans. But there's a few of these verses in the New Testament that seem to be like salvation is for all. And so I think a lot of people get tripped up on those and I did for a long time. But again, if we really look at the context of all of these scriptures, and if we really look at the actual translation of a lot of these scriptures to say to see, oh, if if just a word here or there is a little bit different, maybe it changes the whole meaning. Maybe I should look into that. Um, and so I'm going to kind of go over that. So there's there's two portions of the scripture that I think trip people up. I think the first portion is the word whoever. Oh, sorry, actually, that's gonna be the second. I'll just say them both now and then I'll go through them in order. First of all is the use of the word world and the second is the use of the word whoever. So I'm just gonna start off uh, reading John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, again, we're going over the two words here that I think trip people up, the word world and the use of the word whoever. Um, now, let us understand that that whatever Scripture says when we read it in, in English is, I believe, probably 90 to 95% of the time. That is not a scholarly estimate. That's just my opinion. But you probably could look at many theologians and ask them. Um, the, the majority of the time, the English translation does just as much justice for the original language in conveying... Um, the heart, At the very least, the heart of the message of, of the original language, if not the absolute specifics. Um, but we have to understand that there's always a margin for slight misunderstanding, lo- things getting lost in translation or changed in translation. Um, and so it's always good to look at the, what the Greek is doing directly translates to each word and then see how that gets changed to for us to make english sentences sound better because that's usually what happens is that the original greek is very like broken english sounding and a lot of times it's kind of like in yoda speak where it'll say for for love the world god that he and so like we change things a lot to make it sound like english but we try to keep the translators try to keep the heart And the information the same so just have that understanding and look at the greek and study it and and look at different translations um, to see if there's some kind of different message that could come across here Um, because the thing is that free will people use this um, this verse a lot to say you know i can't believe in calvinism calvinism must be wrong because look at this verse and so i'm going to kind of go over why i think this verse can be extremely compatible if not more so with calvinism than a free will perspective um, so we're going to go over the word, the world, for God so loved the world. And someone that believes in free will says, see, God loves everyone the same. Everyone gets the same chance for salvation. God extends his mercy and grace to everyone equally. It's just up to you to make the right decision or to make, be more righteous than the other person who, dis, who disobeys the call to repent and believe. Um, and so we're going to go over what the word world means so uh first off the word world in the original greek is kosmon and that is actually where we get the word cosmos um and so that's which of course we know describes the entire universe that's the cosmos um and so already we can kind of see that this word might have a broader or more general term than maybe people in the world or the earth itself um so actually in scripture, and we're just talking about New Testament here because obviously the New Testament was written in Greek, Old Testament was not. In the New Testament, we see the word kosmon, which is translated to the world. Um, excuse me. We see it used to describe the universe as a whole. And I have reference verses for all of these that you're free to look up. Just for the sake of time, I'm not gonna go through all of them. So the universe as a whole, thats and that reference I have is Acts 17.24. It's used to describe the earth. John 13.1, Ephesians 1, 1.4, the world system, as in like the prince of this world, the principalities of evil in this world, um, that's John 12.31, the entire human race, Romans 3.19, humanity minus believers, so only unbelievers, and that would be John 15.18, Romans 3.6, even Gentiles in contrast to Jews, Romans 11.12, and also to describe believers only. And that the references I have for that, I'm actually going to go through those because I feel like the burden of proof is on me to explain that that's a possible interpretation of the word world. So I'm going to go through John 1:29 here, and again, this is the use of the word world that I believe only applies to believers, not everyone. And this is um, this is John the Baptist, John 1:29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold." the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I think a lot of us have just read over that and gone, yes, Jesus, he's the Savior of the world. But have we really thought about what that means to call him the one that takes away the sin of the world? Who does Jesus take the sin? Whose sin does Jesus take? Everyone's? No, we know that sinners will be in hell. We know that there is a punishment for the unbelievers. We know that. So who does Je- whose sin does Jesus take? The believers. We know that. So when we say, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, we can't believe that that means everybody, unless you believe that everyone was going to heaven. That's what universalists believe. But that's a heresy. And so we have to understand that here, at least in this verse, the context, it's the world takes away the sin of the world. We're talking about the believers. John six thirty three through 35. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So in that first verse when it says, for the bread of God is he who comes, from, comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Does Jesus give life to the unbeliever? Does the unbeliever have the bread of life? Do they... Do they never hunger, never thirst? Or is that something that's only granted to believers? To never hunger, never thirst. That the Lord is our satisfaction eternally. Gives life to the world. Jesus gives life to believers. Eternal life, abundant life. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-19 All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation now we have Paul talking saying in Christ God was reconciled the world was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them we see clearly Christ was reconciling the world but the world means the believers who does God not count trespasses against everybody is everyone going to heaven or is it the believers? World does not have to mean world. We see it clearly here in scripture. It has many meanings. And of course, the last one that I have for a reference is John three sixteen through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now we have to ask, with the add-on of verse 17, if God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, why are people still condemned? Is it because God's not talking about them in this verse? Is it because those that are saved are not condemned, but the rest of the world, the rest of the people in the world are condemned? Does that mean that also before verse 17 and verse 16, that when we say, for God so loved the world, That he gave his only son and whoever believes in him won't perish do we believe that he's talking specifically about believers here or is it an open invitation it doesn't seem consistent contextually to me to think that it's this open invitation or general blanket statement i think it's a specific group of people that is talked about in scripture and referenced as the world Now, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make these slides available to you guys because you need to see this. This is something you can't really hear. But I have pulled up here the verse of John 3.17 uh, in the Greek, um, so that you can actually see here what it says for each word. Let's see here. So when we break down each word in the Greek, and I'm just taking like the definition of each Greek word in order, and trying to create a sentence. But, so this is John three seventeen, and this is the second half, you know, but um, he didn't come to condemn, but to save the world, right? Because the, sorry, one of the things I was missing here, kind of forgot about, is that in John three seventeen, we see that it says, in order that the world might be saved through him. And I think a lot of times, Free will people say, see, God wants people to be saved through him, everybody, but they might not be saved. And this is saying, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He made a way, he didn't necessarily make it happen, but he made a way for everybody. But that is just, it's not not—it's not my favorite translation. Um, and I don't think it's, I think it could be a confusing one when we take that perspective. Because when we look in the Greek here, the difference, it says in the greek it says but in order to save the world through him not that the world might be saved but in order that the world would be saved and i think even the change in that you might argue you know this is just merely semantics what's the difference but the thing is this can really change the message you take away from from these verses there's a very different very different intentionality when you read the verse in order that God would save the world, versus that the world might be saved. There's a very different, very different takeaway from that. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of bring that to your attention. Now I want to move on here to the second portion of John 3.16 that I think gives people a little trouble. And it's the phrase or the words, whoever believes. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life and i think a lot of times that seems very open invitation very you know anyone who happens to believe it's not necessarily god's will that anyone believes or doesn't believe but he wants everyone but you know some people thwart the will of god for salvation and they disobey and other peoples are more righteous because they obey god and they turn and repent and I think this verse is often misunderstood and taught incorrectly because of just a misunderstanding of what this verse really means. So going over this here, a lot of times what I have a conf- when I'm confused about a verse because it doesn't make sense or I think I may not be getting the full picture, I would, I would recommend you do this if you've never done this before, but I would go to an online Bible source, Bible hub is my favorite. Um, look at the Strong's um, concordance, look at the Greek into linear, look at all of these things and look through different translations. But, and I'm gonna show you here on this slide, we have the Greek up here. And when we look at John 3.16 in the Greek, we actually see a very different sounding message than what we often hear it in the English translation. So if we look at the Greek specifically, I'm sorry, this is a lot of Greek. This is a lot of Bible study. Hopefully this is um, edifying to you all. If we start here, and we're going to cut in at, instead of whoever believes. So we start here, and I'm just reading from the Greek definitions for each word, and trying to create a sentence again. Hopefully you can be able to read along with me or see it. In order that all the believing or all those who have faith in him shall not perish and this will be a lot more make more sense if you can see this but um the difference here is that the greek actually says something more along the lines that for god gave his only son that all of the believing will not perish all those who have faith will not perish that is a very you might not think so but really think about it it's a different message than whoever believes as if it's out of god's hands as if it's an open invitation and it's up to everyone else to respond correctly it's very compatible with the calvinistic viewpoint that all the believers will not perish but have eternal life all the believing And there are, there's this one um, translation that I often look to uh, just to reference. It's called Young's Literal Translation because what it does is it takes the Greek and it basically just shoots it straight into English and doesn't make a very big effort to make it sound pretty or nice or like a normal sentence. And it's a very much a literal word-for-word word translation that I, I really enjoy looking at that. Because you can see, you can look at the Greek yourself, and then you can look at that literal translation and say, Wow, okay, that actually fits very well together. That mirrors each other. They, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so when we actually look at Jung's literal translation for John 3.16, it reads like this. For God did so love the world that his Son, the only begotten, he gave. That everyone who is believing in him may not perish, but have life, age, enduring. This is very much a Greek literal translation, not a lot of polishing and making it sound like normal English language. But the key there, that everyone who is believing in him may not perish. That's a very different message than whoever believes. And that very small change, if you take away your theological bias in free will or in Calvinism and you just read that, it's, it is very compatible with either, but it doesn't point towards free will necessarily. And so that's kind of my whole point of going over this is that this verse is often a stumbling block for people who are like, ah, well, I could understand, understand believing Calvinism, but some of these verses I just can't get over. And this is a verse that is very Calvinistically um, compliant. And I just don't think many people get that understanding. And so when we, when we put all of that together, our understanding of the world, not meaning just everybody, but it could mean just believers. It has meant that in the scripture and other places, and we put together that whoever is not the best word necessarily to use here, and we put John three sixteen and seventeen together, and we and I basically put in, I made my own very literal Greek to English translation here, um, only selecting words from the Greek definitions. Um, and saying, okay, you have two or three options within this Greek word of what this could mean. They all mean basically the same thing. And so I'm going to read this to you because this is how I believe the, a really correct understanding of this verse is. If we look at the Greek and we look at the context of Scripture. John 3:16 through 17. For God in this manner loved the world as to give his only Son in order that all those believing or all those who trust in him will not perish, but possess age-enduring life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order to save the world through him. This has a much more intentional language that God has a plan. He has an ordination. And he does not fail. He does not fail to save. And that's one of the big differences between... Uh, a Calvinist and someone who believes in free will is that people that believe in free will, you have to admit that God does not save all he wants to. He does not complete it. He does not accomplish what he wants. And maybe to a free will person, that's a good thing. Maybe that means, you know, maybe to you, free will is more important than salvation necessarily. And maybe that's okay. And maybe that sits well with you. But to me in scripture, I see a God that accomplishes his will, that has a plan. And that saves us despite our will against Him, and that loves us despite our hatred against Him, and that loves He loves us despite His hatred of us and our sin. And I just think these verses, um, both John three sixteen and both you know God is love, um, I think these verses are often taken out of context. They're quoted poorly, they're taught poorly, and I think if we were to just look at the context of these scriptures the entirety of scripture how does the entirety of scripture back this up and support this in what way does it make the most sense um i think we would find a deeper message and a deeper understanding of the gospel and of god instead of putting our own understanding of god of love of salvation of the gospel um on on these scriptures and kind of picking and choosing them for whenever they, we find them to be useful um so that is everything i believe for these two verses um i don't know which verses i'll be doing next week i have a list of like seven or eight um so i'll probably pick i believe we'll be doing philippians 4 verse 13 and jeremiah twenty nine eleven. um but i may not do those but that's that's an idea um also very very popular common ones um But yeah, so I believe that's everything. So uh, if you have any questions, any probably lots of objections uh, or critiques, um, please feel free to send them my way. Um, I would love to discuss this in person or online. um, But I would just ask, you know, above all things to just search the scripture. Develop your own... um, rigorous study of the word to really know inside know and have a confidence that you understand scripture you understand what these verses what these verses mean what they were intended to say um, and how to teach them to others um, with confidence and with truth so hope this was edifying in some way um, and hopefully not aggravating or boring Um, but thank you all uh, all who watch or listen to this god bless you all